Welcome to the Liam Louth podcast, episode 14. So today's episode shouldn't be too in-depth, but I just want to talk about form and what's important, why it matters, and a few considerations, because it's often thought of as this thing that we do just to prevent injuries. So we check our form to make sure we don't get injured. Therefore, if we don't get injured and nothing hurts, it must have been brilliant and we must have did it correctly. And it, it's it's not that simple, unfortunately. So it's brilliant if you didn't get injured. It's brilliant if your back didn't ache after a squat or deadlift. But we need more attention to detail. So like, whatever the exercise is, there's a reason why it's in the programme. So I don't just think, oh, let's just chuck a squat in, 50 reps. Let's just do some pull-ups, 12. You know, There has to be a thought process based on a client's goals, a client's abilities, you know, how fit they are, conditioned they are, you know, the strength levels and stuff like that. And and the, the rep range I've given, whether it's a low reps or high reps or something like that, there's a stimulus we're trying to achieve. You know, we're trying to get a client stronger. Are we trying to work on stability, muscular endurance? Are we trying to get a pump on? You know, there's a few different things we could be achieving. So the, the main thing is do no harm. So it doesn't matter what my client's goals are, I've got to not get them injured. Because if they get injured... The weight loss is going to slow down, you know, maybe they're going to see a, a chiropractor, a physio kind of thing, maybe they get a bit down, the day-to-day movement's going to drop, so maybe again weight loss drops, so we obviously don't want them to get injured, it, it's going to affect my income as well as their life uh, and progress, so that's obviously not good, but again there's more to it, so if a client's looking to, to grow the glutes or, or shape the bicep, whatever muscle group it is, the form matters, so the body responds to consistent signaling so it doesn't matter if we're talking about the eyes or the feet or our moods a lot of it is, is signaling to the body and to the brain so i don't get too woo-wooing into science and stuff like that and, and bore people to death but effectively if every rep looks completely different then you're sending an inconsistent signal so i'm hoping this is the kind of making sense so if your goal is to kind of build muscle or if your goal is not just trying to lose weight, we're trying to lose fat and get a decent aesthetic result at the end of it. So I think people often come to see me to lose weight and I've got to reframe it as fat loss. So we're going to aim to keep the protein high, lift weights, move daily and you know, sleep well, manage recovery and hope that we lose a lot of fat and retain some muscle. Now, often clients are not really impressed or keen on this initially. They just care about the weight but the ones who kind of stick to it are often glad that they retain some muscle, developed some strength, and they have some kind of abilities. They can do press-ups and pull-ups and squat well and deadlift well and this kind of stuff. Because that often gives them a better aesthetic result and gives them some tools to manage the weight. So aesthetics is just ref- uh, referring to someone's physique and, and how good it looks, which is obviously debatable. But in general, we don't just want to lose fat. We want to, we want to keep some shape. And depending on the person or the sex or the personality... You might want your glutes to look nice or your biceps to look nice or your triceps to be popping out or or the obvious one is abs. So to do that, we want to we wanna lift these weights. But if, if I said to a client, right, I want you to squat three sets of 10, you know, and I didn't really give much kind of instruction other than that, you know, like eight reps might look similar, two might not, that's not the end of the world. But if, if every rep's looking a bit different, so the, the tempo or the rate at which they descend is like one second and then it's three and then it's two, if the knee's drift in and out, some knee valgus, if they get a, a what's it called, a, a stripper squat or a, 
a butt wink where the hips drift back, the tension isn't being applied to the target muscle. So when we're doing a squat, for example, we're trying to apply tension, mechanical tension to the quad. You know, we're trying to stretch it, lengthen it. We're trying to get a pump on potentially. We're trying to damage the tissue up to a certain point. We're also trying to hit the glutes and the ductors, and it, it's not just that one muscle group we're hitting, but we are targeting that major muscle group and the major movement pattern of the squat. So what I want is every rep to look the same. So let's just say you're squatting 60 or 100K, whatever it is. You want that weight to be lifted in the same manner so that 60K or that 100K is applied to the muscle in the same way every time so the dose is roughly consistent. And it'll never be exact, but you're trying to remove the variables. So the more variables you remove, the better, if I get my words out. So we want every rep to look the same. Whatever tempo you've been given, might be a three-second tempo or one second, you want to apply that, you want to really stick to it rigidly. If there's any pauses or isometrics, you want to get that pause in. And then any instructions on the concentric, which is when you power up, sticking to the squat example, you want to stick to that as well. So unless it's the last rep or two, every rep should look the same. So you might put a funny face, you might make a grunt, you might swear at me, but ultimately I want as many reps to be consistent as possible. Now, if you're chasing pure strength, some of that might go out the window a little bit and, you know, the last rep might be a complete grind and, and that's cool in certain circumstances because you're chasing strength. And I always say, for those who don't know, Eddie Hall was like the world's strongest man at one point. And he's quite a well-known kind of figure in the industry and he's kind of more than kind of... He's, he's well-known outside powerlifting is what I want to say, basically, and strongman stuff. But anyway, he deadlifts... Like, in a way, I wouldn't teach in the gym, but he's Eddie Hall. You know, he's an expert at what he does. He's, he's like an athlete. He's, he's willing to push his body outside of normal ranges. He's aware of the risks and stuff like that. But I think for a lot of clients I work with, they haven't deadlifted before, they haven't squatted before, potentially, or they have, but in a class for crazy high reps, and they've not really been taught form. So I'm going to be quite strict. I'm going to be quite keen about neutral spines and rounding and stuff, and... These arguments to be said about loading the spine when rounding in, in uncompromising positions. And the theory is that your body can't always be perfectly neutral. So if you introduce some loading in suboptimal conditions, that's going to make you more fit and ready for life. But I think my approach is risk versus reward. I'm always going to favour that neutral spine. I'm always going to look to manage risks. Like I'm not going to get my clients, well, very rarely doing like one rep maxes. Because it's cool, it's good, you know, I don't work with many powerlifters. But with that one rep max comes a lot of demands on the central nervous system. It comes a lot of demands on, on your physique, on your joints, on your structure. And there's a lot of risk with your form. So by default of you going crazy heavy, it's really, really hard to have perfectly good form. So going back to my example of Eddie Hall, a lot of powerlifters, they might do things a little bit different, but... They understand the risks and they're more advanced than the average person, including me. But I think for most people, you've got to be careful. So with things like deadlifts and squats, when you truly go heavy, it's such a demand on the central nervous system that it's actually known that you can get little colds and flu-like symptoms. And the theory is, as crudely as I can explain it, is because it's so demanding, it often reduces the kind of efficiency of your immune system. So you're doing this big heavy squat, you've done these big deadlifting workouts, You've done the crazy five sets of five or 10 sets of 10 German volume training, which does feel fun and cool at the time. But it's so demanding on you 
unless you're conditioned to it, you can often get a cold next day or you feel crap or you run down or you're more prone to colds. So it's quite interesting. So I very rarely push clients to go crazy, crazy heavy. So I try and focus on getting strong in lower rep ranges, like eights and fives and tens, but not necessarily singles and doubles and trebles. So yes, they are getting strong and they can see that and that helps them stick to things and see that they're good at something and gives them a, a platform to kind of grow from, whether it's weight loss or strength or muscle building. But we don't want to push crazy heavy all the time and we want to watch form. So it's obviously brilliant to not get injured, but there's a little bit more to it than that. So I just want you to ask yourself, like, does every rep look this similar? You know, are you controlling the descent? Are you putting any pauses in if they're relevant? Are you coming up with purpose? You know, are you focusing on your breathing? Uh, if it's relevant, are you feeling the target muscle? Or I, what is your training goal as well I'd like you to focus on? So don't just slap weight on a squat and go, yeah, I'm going to go really heavy. How does that relate to your goal? Is strength important to you? But how much? Are you just chasing numbers out of ego? Or is it just to build a foundation? You know, are you going to think about competing in powerlifting? Or are you just trying to like push yourself or beat your friend or challenge the guy next to you kind of thing? Which isn't that clever. You know, are you, are you trying to get a pump on? Are you trying to build muscular endurance? Or are you just trying to, to kind of build the, the movement pattern and the mechanics of it? So if you are trying to get good at something, I suggest going light, doing slow reps, putting some pauses in, focusing on form and breathing, creating stability, rather than just packing loads of weight on doing 30 reps. So again, I'm not an expert, by the way. You're not listening to some expert with 10 years experience. But for me, the average person, I include myself in this, like they want to, in general, stay away from singles, doubles and trebles, like really crazy PBs. But... I also see no need for like 50s and, and 100 reps and stuff like that. If if someone's saying 100 rep squats, 100 rep deadlifts and 50 reps of this, and even 10 sets of 10, which is quite popular, especially for blokes. And I, I made these mistakes years ago. 10 sets of 10 is German volume training. It's very challenging. You feel amazing because your body's beat up, so you think, oh, Jesus, I must be doing amazing because I can't walk next day and it, it's a killer. But it's just too much volume for most people. And I haven't done it for years now. And even as a PT, if I, if I did it today, I would be knackered tomorrow, even more sore the next day. And, and the week after, I'd probably still sore. And by week three, I'd, I'd just settle down into it. And you might think the soreness is brilliant, but soreness isn't necessarily a true indicator of progress. It's going to happen if you're brand new to the gym. It's going to happen if you change your programme or change your rep ranges or change tempos. It is going to happen. And... There's ways you can limit it a little bit. So as a general rule of thumb, it's the eccentric portion or the negative portion that causes most of the damage or DOMS. So DOMS is delayed onset muscle soreness. So if I give someone a four second eccentric squat or four seconds coming down on the squat or a four second lowering phase, that is the bit that is going to produce the most DOMS or soreness. So as a beginner, you might just do a one second squat. Now, the trouble with that is people just kind of bounce in and out of it. So you might do two seconds or you might put a pause in. But in general, something like a six-second eccentric and a two-second pause would cause more soreness to someone who's not conditioned than a one-second squat. So I hope this is making sense. I'm trying to get too sciency. So we can limit that soreness by manipulating the tempos. But yeah, just, just sticking with the soreness thing. So often if we do too much, the body just kind of 
survives rather than adapts. So the whole goal with training for most people is to get you from point A to point B, just a little kind of gradual raise. So that could be knocking your 10K time down by 30 seconds. It could be doing a thousand extra steps. It could be eating a hundred less calories. You know what I mean? It could be doing two extra reps or add 1.25K to your deadlift or your squat or your bench. Now, if you're a beginner, you get something what I refer to as a beginner's delight stage or a honeymoon period. Well, if you show someone how to squat and they get it right, they could come in literally two or three days later and squat an extra like 5k or something or pick up a dumbbell that's like 20% heavier just because your body will adapt like super compensation because the stimulus is so new. What I've, The new exercise I've shown you is so novel, the body responds quite quick. But if I get an experienced lifter in or experienced, I don't know, athlete if you like, then they have to work harder for their gains and their progress or their reduction in, in, in speeds, if, uh, PBs, if you like, when they're running because they're so conditioned to the demands of training and they don't respond as well. So like uh, a serious powerlifter, you know, might get excited to slap 2.5K on his bench in a few weeks' time or at the end of a programme because he's getting close to exhausting his perceived limits or pushing his boundaries, if you like, is probably a better word. Whereas the average person was weak because they weren't really training at all and they didn't have the movement patterns, they didn't have the knowledge, they didn't have the consistent signal, which is what I mentioned earlier. So if every if I make every rep look the same, there's a real consistent signal for 12 reps or 10 reps and we do three sets of that, you know, 36 if my maths is good and then we do that two, two or three times a week and then guess what? You're sending a signal to your body and your central nervous system like to be more efficient at lifting these weights which means you're more likely to build muscle or maintain muscle while losing fat. So if all you do is burn calories and all your squats look different and all your deadlifts look different and you're just doing all the classes, quite often you lose more muscle than fat. So you end up thinking, I'm oh, my weight's come down, Liam, I lost X amount of pounds and I'm like brilliant. And then we get reach this stage where like I've still got loads around my stomach and you know my arms are getting quite skinny and it's coming off my face and it comes off everywhere you almost don't want it to. Because you've probably gone too low on calories, probably not bothered with protein, probably not lifted weights well enough, or it was just weights in a class, which is, is often just, just cardio with a little bit of a bonus. So you often end up losing large amounts of muscle with small amounts of fat, which for some people is not a bad thing. But I think if you ride out long enough, you'll often be a bit disappointed at how little fat you've lost around the middle. So we want to improve our body composition in most cases which is fat loss. So body composition refers to your ratios of fat to muscle. So someone you refer to as lean or toned or shredded, depending on the kind of levels of, of leanness, is just a presence of muscle, basically, and an absence or reduction, at least, of fat. So you're trying to like burn the fat around your abs and keep the abs. You're trying to burn the fat around your arms and keep your arms. You're trying to burn the fat around your glutes and keep your glutes. Are you with me? So you, you can't burn it all for a start and expectation management and a, and a really key point I forgot there and it, in terms of muscle like you're not when you work the muscle of the bicep for example you're not burning the fat around it so you can't spot reduce fat unfortunately so if you're one of these people like like me and like everyone when the first start in fitness you do loads of ab stuff and you think you're gonna get abs and it's kind of sad to see like you know people in the gym are just obsessed with like seated ab, ab crunches and stuff but they're not willing to diet to lift heavy or to do cardio and they're relying on these resistance machines 
So the person on it does feel the abs, but essentially it's under a layer of fat. So it's not going to burn fat. It's not going to spot reduce fat around your abs, but you are working the muscle underneath it, which is cool. But I think there's literally a hundred and one things I would rather do in a gym than sit on a machine and do ab crunches. And I'm not saying it's wrong for any PTs who do do it, but in, in the gym I work in, I've never used the seated ab machine on an induction for any client I've ever had or any gym member who's asked me a question on any machine. And anyone who's asked me a question on that machine, I'm willing to show them 101 things that are better than that. So there's the stability exercises, which are better for your core. You know, there's body weight exercises that are better for your core. There's free weight exercises that are going to stimulate your core in a way and also burn calories and also get you strong and confident and promote muscle retention or muscle growth even. So form isn't always about injury prevention, is the, is the key take home. Try and make reps look similar, at least, apart from maybe the one, one or two. If you're coasting through 12 reps... Right, sorry, I was interrupted there. Forgot to put an aeroplane mode. So, as I was saying, if you're coasting through a set of 12, because I see this quite a lot, and every rep was quite casual, and it was kind of... It was challenging, as in it was like 6 out of 10... 7 out of 10 and you didn't pull a funny face you know make a funny noise grunt or like feel like crying towards the end you probably should be upping the weight a little bit or upping the reps a little bit because you're going to fall into the accommodation trap where you just you're coasting you're not going backwards but you're spinning your wheels and you're not kind of pushing yourself and I do see that quite a lot in the gym on the other hand if by rep 3 you're absolutely hanging out you know, you can't maintain form, you, you know, you can't think straight, you, you can't get your breathing right, you can't feel the target muscle or whatever it is, and, and each rep's ugly, don't think, all right, I've got another seven to go, I'm just going to finish it. You've gone too heavy. You know, it, it needs to be the last four, the last two, the last one that are really, really challenging. You know, it doesn't need to be this horrible, horrible grind, unless it's something like your first pull-up and you're doing sets of two and three and it's a little bit ugly, but you're getting it done. And over time, you'll get better and you'll perfect that form. Same with something like a press-up. Like, it might not always be the cleanest rep, especially on the last two or three. And you might be doing small numbers, as in, like, sets of three, sets of five, sets of six, sets of eight, because you want to get strong at something. So one thing I think people fall foul of is they're doing sets of 15 assisted pull-ups. They're doing sets of 20 press-ups on your knees or box press-ups or some of the press-up regressions that you can do. But when you're doing these higher rep ranges, it's more endurance. And you do get a little, you can get a bit stronger doing it, but it's not the best rep range. And it's not a black and white statement. But the in general, the, the lower the better. So the lower rep range is like one, two, literally sets of one, sets of two, sets of five, sets of eight, sets of ten. Those lower rep ranges are gonna help you be stronger or become stronger. Because you can actually do a rep for a start, whereas 12, you do three or four and everything's just crap. So have a little think about your rep ranges, have a think about your tempos, have a think about your form. Big tip on form, I used to hate doing this, I used to think it was all vanity, but record yourself doing it. And I know people might feel a bit daft in the gym, but record yourself doing it or ask a PT to do it or ask your friend to do it. But in most cases, take it from the side. You know, you can't really see much on a deadlift from the front and you can see a few things on a squat like with your knees coming and stuff but the side profile for me as a coach I always stand at the side you can see the bath path better 
You can see the angle of someone's back. You can see how low the squat. You can see the hip angle. You know, on, on your deadlift, it's really important. On your bent over rows, it's important. Your bench press. You see a lot from the side. Really good kind of tip is take pictures of yourself or videos from the side and review your form. And if you've got any questions on me, don't be shy to ask. When you see it from the front, there's a couple of things you pick up on. But essentially, all you see is the person completed a rep or completed the task. So they picked the weight up off the floor. So therefore, it was good and they did it. It's very hard to see the back angles and stuff. So if I film someone from the side, I can say to a client, oh, look how you're back here. It's really good. But on the second rep, you rounded a bit. See how this rep, you didn't sit back and take the slack out the bar or your arms weren't straight or all the tension went here. With me, I can point things out about the neck, the spine, the positioning. It's very hard to do that from the front. So often we all think our form is brilliant. I know blokes are worse than this in most cases. And we think our form is good. And we film it from the side and, and you'll see a completely different picture. So just because you picked it up off the floor doesn't mean you did it well. And just because you didn't get injured doesn't mean you did it well. So the body lets you get away with a lot, believe it or not. In my opinion, anecdotally, I've got no studies to back this up, but I have heard other coaches at a higher level than me kind of say, suggest similar things. It's not necessarily the one big lift that ruins you. It's the, it's the average to poor deadlifts that you do, you know, 100 times a month or whatever it is. You know, so you're doing these sets of 12 and pretty much everyone is crap. And it's not that crazy heavy, but everyone is crap. So you've constantly got issues on the spine, on the back. And the body gets, lets you get away with 1,000 reps or 2,000 reps or 10,000 hours of PT or whatever it is. And eventually it goes or something's damaged or something's ground down. You with me? So just because you survived one rep, one load, or you hit a PB doesn't mean it was clever. So just be careful of your form. Let's not get injured. Let's not slow everything down. And this has gone on way longer than I thought. So I'll call it a day. As always, if you found it useful, let me know. Don't be shy to share it. And thanks for listening.